can't remember how to shine, lost your confidence, your fight, we've got you. For faith, fitness, and friendship collide for women, by women, this is the She Rugged Podcast. I'm your host, mom, pup mom, athlete, and life performance coach, Michelle Yates. What if you had a personal assistant, a personal trainer that could be with you day and night, be by your side, help you get through your workouts to make healthy foods? How about to calm you when you have an argument or to help you handle the kids? That sounds amazing, doesn't it? Yes, moms, I hear you out there, but we do. He's called God. But why do we not allow for that grace space for God to do his work? Stop hiding yourself from your best self. Did you write down what you were hiding from from last week from the last podcast? If you haven't listened to that one, go back to podcast number six, and it talks about what, who, where, what, when, Why are we hiding from certain things or behind certain things or making excuses? So check that out. Right now, though, we are looking at God in mindset in this episode, and we are talking about Gideon and how he completely hid when God called him to his purpose. Does it sound familiar to anybody? I mean, yeah. Do you request multiple confirmations from God before you take that first step in faith? Or maybe you've not even taken it. Maybe you are burying your talents in your purpose, in your callings, just like we talked about last week. When we do this, we have to realize that we cannot hide from God. God can see us. And Gideon, when we read on, we find that he actually was made strong because of God, because of the Holy Spirit came down upon him. So just like Gideon, a normal person who's trying to hide from God, we are called to do extraordinary things too. In doing so, we must consider that we cannot hide from God. When we do finally sit down to think about any aspect of life, I really personally think there's only four choices that represent or present themselves. That's number one, believing in God and having a positive mindset. Two, believing in God and having a negative mindset. So for this one, it's like having a vision without any kind of action or faith, and faith without action is dead. So you can believe in God and have some faith, but unless you act on it, then you might as well it just be dead. Third, you don't believe in God, but you have a positive mindset. Now that's pretty good. In some ways, you know, it's understandable that you might not believe in God, but it's only going to take you so far. Why? Because we cannot do it without him. And we'll get to that in a minute. So having a positive mindset, that's a plus. But maybe diving into your faith is going to help you out just a little bit more. So the last one is you don't believe in God and you have a negative mindset. And that's just really sad to me. And it just makes life seem impossible. I would think that those mountains would really feel like mountains and there's no way you could call upon God and to move them because you have this negative mindset and you just don't believe in him. And this is the thing. It's like you don't even have to totally be all in right now. You can just be listening to this and maybe there's something stirring inside of you. But we're learning from scripture, from these books thousands of years ago, that what we need to do, or these little cheat sheets that God is giving us to live our best lives so, so we don't hide from our best self, so we don't live in fear. And I think 
when we overanalyze life, we tend to chase money, career, positions. We go into this societal hustle, and then we break it all down into simpler terms. We know that we really need to slow down. I mean, really, I think that for the majority of the people, when COVID hit, yes, it was such a shock because it rocked all of our boats, and we were going 100 million miles an hour on the water, and all of a sudden, we hit a buoy because holy cow, did I know our life at home here changed a lot, and we saw a lot more of my husband, which was fantastic. But COVID or not, we're living 100 million miles an hour, and most of us just choose not to slow down. We let society shape us. We listen to what we should do or be doing or how we should do it instead of what the Bible says works. And I mean, I'm totally guilty too, like absolutely hands down. But that is how God made us. Jesus died for us to get our attention and lead us back to the Bible when we stray. Now, who the heck would ever offer their son and want to care about all of us and die for us just so we can live life happy, just so we can, you know, live life abundantly? I I, I still obviously <laughs> wrestle with this. I'm sure you do too, because why would you want to do that? Because he is our creator. He is our creator. And in his mind and mindset and visualization, he had hoped that, you know, uh, Adam and Eve might have did things a little bit differently. And then the Israelites might have did things a little bit differently, as in listen to him. But then he realized that we are human and that's how he created us. And now he's created us to depend on him and to know that we need him in order to live life to the fullest. But do we truly believe that God knows what is best for us and what will make us the happiest? That I think is the biggest question that we all wrestle with. And it's a loaded question that I constantly try to realign my day with. And why? Why do we hide and bury our talents and stay in our comfort zones. We act fake. We post pictures on social media. We try to lift ourselves up to bring other people's down. And it's terrible. It's terrible of us. Why do we do that? And it's crazy because we also don't listen to what the Bible says, or most of us don't. I am guilty of this as well. I am trying to incorporate it, but how we should take a rest day how we should work for six days and take that rest day to reset, to reset our minds, our hearts, our emotions, and our physical bodies so we can give the world the best of ourselves, not what's left of us. Maybe we're trying to constantly pay off our past, our mistakes. They weigh heavy on us. We feel too broken. But if we run in the path of God's commands, we know that it says in Psalms that it sets us free But what does that even mean? And the Bible specifically says, my truth will set you free. Not society's truth, not what your dad thinks about you truth or your friends or the trauma that has been done to you. God's truth, my truth will set you free. What is God saying? And in light of spring, let's talk about seeds and soil. So God tells us if we throw some seeds out and some land on some rocks and they get washed away or some plant does not thrive, But if it's good soil, it's a good mindset. It's listening. It's absorbing. Then the seed will take root and it will flourish. I came that they might live life abundantly, 
plentiful. God wants us to have nice things. He wants us to feel fulfilled. He doesn't want us to live by society's truth or somebody else's truth. So the Bible specifically says that our minds are powerful. And mindsets influence what we pay attention to, what we're motivated to, how we feel, how we expect to feel. What are our bodies prepared to actually do? And how we make decisions every day by our responses. But sadly, most of us, our decisions are typically reactive, not proactive. We blame others for our choices, right? We say, oh, well, you know, I cheated on my husband because he doesn't give me all this love and attention and emotional intimacy that I need. Well, that is your sin, not his sin. And you're still probably going to pay for that sin. But our minds, again, are so powerful. And our decisions are typically reactive not proactive. And a proactive person will be more control of their lives. They're going to do things in advance and to hopefully influence a situation. So that proactive person, um, instead of committing adultery, is going to um, try to work on their marriage a little bit more. But how? Of course, there's plenty of ways to be proactive in that situation. I won't go into details with that, but Although the word proactive doesn't actually even appear in the Bible, Christians are commanded to be prepared, which ultimately requires proactive behavior or action. Peter says, prepare your minds for action. We must prepare our minds to act the way God commands in a given situation. Therefore, we must be proactive. We must act in advance to deal with whatever situation we find ourselves in. And a proactive choice is based on values and principles. So if yours are a little on the shaky side, this might be where the problem occurs. But what are your values and principles? I tell you what, God gave us another cheat sheet. Here he goes again. They are the fruit of the Spirit. Those are like the best little cheat sheets you can can get. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But I totally look at this and I see failure, Michelle, failure, failure, failure today, failure, failure. Oh, you did okay on that one, but failure. So I I totally feel the pressure. I'm pretty sure you guys too. And the perfection, like, does it have to be perfect? And why is it so damn hard to live out the fruit of the spirit? Like, why can't we hold our tongues or hold back from that pan of brownies? I'm guilty. Me too. I get it. (laughs) So why do our minds and bodies lack the motivation to even try because we cannot do it without him, without God. What if I now said, and turn this around in your head, in your mindset, that these are gifts from God. They aren't rules or orders that we have to perfect. But in John, we hear where Jesus says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. So bring on the fruit, people. We can reshape our mindsets in order to achieve this, in order to achieve the fruit and the abundance. And I do have steps um, in the blog post. If you go to shiraga.com, there will be some kind of how you reshape your mindset little tools over there for you. But I want to recommend one of the most powerful tools right here that I believe that God gave us, and that is mental imagery. 
Now, yes, people can squawk and say that, well, originally this was some kind of demonic thing and yada, yada, yada. I don't see it as that at all, especially when I was a little girl and I used to use mental imagery to win my races or play my soccer games or nail that test or whatever it may be. So I don't agree with that at all. I think God, again, made our minds powerful says it in the Bible, and it also says to prepare it. And that's exactly what visualization does. It is the use of mental concentration and directed imagery in the attempt to achieve particular goals. Those goals can be spiritual, they can be psychological, they can be physical, they can be educational, any of them. I've used them and used this for my entire life. Most of my achievements, I definitely have used this. And I think Feel like it gives me that grace space that allows God to speak to me for me to see what he wants me to do, to see the achievement. Um, and I wonder, hey, instead of hiding, you know, in the closet, basically, Gideon, I wonder if maybe if he used some of this and he envisioned that he would have this strength in the Holy Spirit pouring over him that he would have been up off his butt doing his purpose a little bit sooner than asking God for continuous confirmation that he was going to have this strength to achieve the goal, achieve the purposes. Anyways, visualization attempts to program the mind to discover inner power and guidance. God is capable of communicating to us through all of our senses. Most of the time he does it through uh, our minds, our emotions, our dreams, but it definitely comes into play with the whole mindset thing. And guided mental imagery can give God that grace space to speak to us, to enlighten us, motivate us, help us, envision us to see the person that he sees us as. Not that the person that traumatized you or your dad or society or anybody else, but giving him that grace space in order for you to see what he sees. So I have steps for this so-called mental imagery that I have used over the years. The first step is find yourself a quiet location free from distractions. So, you know, put your dogs in their kennels, you know, turn off the music, all that kind of stuff. Just sit and be still and quiet. Number two, get into a comfortable position. I typically lay on a somewhat hard floor just so I don't fall asleep. Um, You can sit upright with your back against the wall. I would just say don't keep it too comfy because you might fall asleep or you might lose focus. Number three, take two deep breaths with a good eight-second exhale. That's just me trying to recenter myself and give myself, again, that starting point of, hey, now it's time to envision. And I create my image with my full senses. I try to think about how the pressure feels, how it smells, how the touch and just any aspect that you can possibly think of, the details that come into play. And you're going to flush out, this is number five, flush out the negative thoughts and feelings and replace them with how you want to feel optimally. Like how does it feel to really succeed at X? So I have a few examples for you. The first one is if you're constantly in arguments with your spouse, you feel like you're losing control of the situation, you have all the anger building up, the fruit of the spirit is completely out the window, it ran away, (laughs) call on God now. So next time, before, be proactive, before you feel an argument coming on or on a daily basis, just to prepare your mind, prepare yourself 
You want to call on God now. You want to envision what it feels like to be in that rage or that argument and, and all the emotions that, was t- that were tied in. You want to identify the hostile remarks. You want to resist the character assassination and avoid the threats of abandonment and go through this process. You can feel the change. You can feel the love. You can feel the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit taking over and you're envisioning it. And then now you can go apply it. You can go and take action. And the next time an argument or disagreement comes up, you're going to be able to handle it so much better, more with the fruit of the Spirit. The second example I have is on the lighter side. It's running and wanting to win a race. So why not since I own Rugged Running too? (laughs) Anyways, I've used this one on numerous occasions. And you know, yes, I would sit myself down or actually it'd probably be on a school bus headed over to some kind of race. And during that time, I I would put some music on and it was music that was motivational, but that I wouldn't lose focus on what I was envisioning. And I would envision how I felt, how my strides felt, how my breath was, the smell of the grass, the feelings of my sister's elbowing me. (laughs) Uh, So funny. Um, We used to contend a lot. But that helped me prepare my mind for the race and envision what I wanted and saw myself crossing that finish line, winning that race or getting that time. Or again, you can apply this to anything, getting a certain certification, but giving God this time, this grace space to speak to you, to give you this um, enlightenment on, you know, what he sees about you and your purpose. So Again, going back to those steps for mental imagery really quickly. One, you find yourself a quiet location. Two, you get in a comfortable position. Three, you take a few deep breaths. Four, then you start creating that image with all the senses, all the details that you possibly can. Five, you flush out all those negative thoughts and you counter them and you replace them with positive thoughts. And again, I will have more tips over on the blog post for reshaping your mindset. But mental imagery, this visualization process is extremely powerful. And again, God says, prepare our minds. The Bible is very clear on us preparing our head from our heads to our toes for spiritual battle on a daily basis. This is why we encourage you to read at least a little bit of scripture every morning. You have to put on your armor of God. And I won't get into too much of that because in the second edition of She Rugged next year, we're going to unpack the entire armor of God and try to understand that a little bit more. But we know that the enemy will attack any way he can, including our minds. That's the first place he goes because it's the first thing that breaks us, right? So ultimately though, we have to understand that no one gets a freebie. Everyone has to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Everyone. There is no one that is exempt. No matter how much you give to charity, no matter what you do, there is no one. We all have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And we can either choose to do it on our own or with Jesus, period. And you decide. It is a choice. It's a choice that requires action. And you have to be proactive about that action. Because again, Vision without the action and faith without action is dead. Your action item this week is to 
try to prepare your mind. Go, go ahead and try some of the mental imagery, the visualization techniques. Um, head over to the blog and I will have that up in the next few days so you can help reshape your mindset for whatever challenges, whatever pressure, whatever you're feeling in order to, again, prepare your mind for that full abundance that God wants us to have. If you need additional help with some of this stuff, we absolutely provide that for you at She Rugged with our life coaching background. And I would just love to help you um, work through some of this pressure items or even on the rugged running side, especially to visualize some of the success that you want to see over on your health and fitness goals. Brain clutter can add up fast. Find your fight with our She Rugged Empowerment Program. Sign up for our newsletter and get free tips for eating healthy when traveling. Go to our website, sherugged.com, and share the love. Subscribe, share, and leave a review for our monthly giveaways. Thanks for listening. Let your light shine.